This is just going to be a nice, chill, fun thing. I'm going to read this thread about the Cats trailer. God. I'm just, I'm extremely underwhelmed and a little bit freaked out by it. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, like, earlier, uh, so the, the trailer dropped, and Vigil and I were talking about it, and I was like, I don't know what Cats is about, like, at all. And she was like, neither do I. And so I was like, you want me to read you the Wikipedia article? She's like, no. Start recording first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. So that'll never see the light of day, because we were very mean to the musical cats. But. Yeah. It was fun. Maybe it'll be a thing at some point. It, uh, it'll, it'll be real interesting to see what, see how that movie does. <laughs> <sighs> just because it's like. Did Andrew Lloyd Webber just exclusively finance the Cats movie with the money that he's made off Phantom of the Opera? <laughs> Honestly, if he was going to go for, like, just a buckwild musical to make into a movie, he should have done Starlight Express, which is where they're <laughs> all on roller skates and it's about trains that fall in love. <laughs> Not just, like, Uncanny Valley. Oh, look, it's Taylor Swift in a fursuit. Oh, I hate that. I hated Rebel Wilson. I hated yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. The only one I was okay with was, um, God, I cannot remember the name of the, the, the character, the actor, but the, uh, the guy on, like, the big fur collar. Oh, yeah. Like, that casting seemed like a good choice. Yeah, some of it was good. Like, and then there was, like, the, the one, like, darker colored cat. That was, like, singing that had, like, a big, like, fluffy something on them. Oh, yeah. The, For most um, of it. Uh. God, what's her name? I, I know I know the one you're talking about. The one who was singing Memory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was also good casting. But, like, Taylor Swift. Nah. Dame Judy Dench. She doesn't have to be in this. She's too good. <laughs> Let's not talk about the Cats movie, though. Let's not talk about Cats. Hello, and welcome back to Faithful. My name is Christina. My name is Emma. And I still don't remember how we start these, because uh, it's, it's been a nip since we recorded one. <laughs> I think you could go back to episode one, and we'd be saying, I don't know how to start this. And I don't think we have a way to start it. We just do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out at some point. Our thing is to say that we don't know how. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for today, uh, well, I guess for whenever you're listening to this, um, we're just going to have a nice, fun, chill time. And we're going to be talking about Harry Potter today. Woo! It's about time someone talked about Harry Potter in a positive context, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we're definitely going to be the first podcast ever to talk about Harry Potter in a religious context or a faith-based <laughs> context. If anyone else has ever done that, you let us know because we're going to press charges. I, I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have too much else on my plate to worry about 
managing litigations against another podcast that definitely came before us in this in this situation. <laughs> Although I should mention before you forget that this is directly inspired by another podcast and okay. a couple of other things. Namely, that I realized this is going to be the seventh episode and that it's coming out for our last July episode, so close to Harry Potter's birthday, July 31st. Yes, I still know that. <laughs> Uh, but also because, uh, on the podcast segments, they are <laughs> currently doing, like, a deep dive into Harry Potter, and it's like, you know what? We should talk about that on The Faithful for an episode or something. <laughs> so, direct inspiration. <laughs> That's awesome. For anyone who doesn't know, Segments is my parents' podcast. Uh, you can I think you can find it, like, Segments with Mark and Amber. It's really mm -hmm. cute if you like, uh, you know a husband and a wife just kind of talking and being in love. It, it is, I would say that I enjoy 95% of the, of the stuff that is on segments. <laughs> so yes, positive review from Christina. <laughs> but yeah, so I have an extremely loose set of notes that I took as I was eating dinner tonight about, uh, Harry Potter. What would you like to talk about, Emma? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm totally okay with just leaving it up to your notes and going from there, because it's been a really long time since I really, like, consumed Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say same. Um, I guess for background here, my personal history with Harry Potter is, I think I've been reading the books since maybe, like, 2003 or something mm -hmm. and then i haven't read a harry potter book in at l probably at least a year yeah so, um... <laughs> just just because like since l moving out of my parents house all pretty much all of my harry potter books except for i think sorcerer's stone have been packed away mm -hmm. i got a copy of uh of curse of cursed child but i never read it because i am just someone gave it to me very kindly but i'm just not super into the whole i'm not into the whole timeline of the cursed child so yeah. i i don't know what went on in cursed child i saw the movies a whole bunch i was on pottermore for a while oh yeah for sure what about you, Emma? Yeah, my history, uh, my mom was one of the, like, she was there at the beginning with, um, you know, uh, Sorcerer's Stone, and, mm -hmm. uh, she's been through it the entire time with all the movies and everything, like, she loves, like, YA fiction, and Harry Potter is, has been, like, up there forever, and so, um, once I was old enough, she convinced me to read, um, read them and I think I got caught up around like just a little bit after the last book came out mm -hmm. I remember seeing the last part of Deathly Hollows in theaters with my mom oh uh, yeah I uh I actually went to the midnight release of Deathly Hollows part two with a whole bunch of my friends because it came out like the day before my birthday oh that's awesome <laughs> we dressed up and everything we sang the mysterious ticking noise in the waiting line <laughs> It was a different time. It wasn't necessarily a bad time. It was just a different time. Mm -hmm. It was a good time for Harry Potter. I loved mm -hmm. I loved it when Harry Potter was something that, like, when you said it, people didn't, like, cringe away. 
which is mm-hmm. so sad. I never really thought that, that was what was going to happen to it, but yeah. and I and I won't even. It's like not even for wrong reasons are <laughs> people cringy about it now. Yeah, but I think acknowledging how really good it is is important too. Oh yeah, it's very good. Oh yeah, I uh, we probably should go ahead and say up front that uh, there are probably a lot of decisions that J.K. Rowling has made or has announced about the series since it ended that I don't think either one of us really agree with. No. Including uh, the decision to hire and to continue to employ a known domestic abuser, mm-hmm. which we do not condone on this podcast. Oh, no, of course not. Pretty, pretty much, like, after the last, like, Deathly Hollows Part 2 came out, anything that happened after that, I don't really care about or acknowledge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, I just personally like to believe that there is a universe where Harry Potter is a teacher and he does a good job with teaching. <laughs> and not, you know, he's just a wizard cop. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I barely acknowledge the the epilogue at the end yeah. of Deathly Hollows. <laughs> we don't need to get into Harry Potter discourse today, though. Yeah, yeah. We, we probably will touch on it, but this is not a podcast about specifically Harry Potter discourse. There's probably <laughs> lots of those out there. <laughs> Go see what LeakyNet's up to. Yeah, really. Um, but yeah, I just have my, uh, my extremely loose stuff. So I don't know if we want to just go ahead. And... Yeah, let's just go with it, see where it goes. Okay. Uh, I guess we should probably upfront talk about, like, actual religion and faith as shown in Harry Potter, of which there is not an awful lot, really. Mm-hmm. Mostly because, um... I mean, like, Emma and I are both from the United States of America, such as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But since these books are set in in England, where people are not uh, quite as overt and public about showing off and talking about their faith. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, never having been to England or lived in England, I can't verify how, how normal it is for there just to be, like, a general lack of religion i guess in, sure in in an, in an environment but you know what that is that is that is completely fine i'm just like there's not a whole lot of it in the book Mm-mm. yeah i know i think it the, like there's definitely a lot of like notions like in the real world about harry potter and religion mm-hmm. like i know like when i was younger and my mom was uh you know like encouraging me to read the books my mom's mom was super against us reading it because it, you know, like, normalizes witchcraft or, you know, it's like, there's no such thing as a as a mm-hmm. good witch. There's only, only bad, evil witches, you know? Mm-hmm. That's something I heard and continue to hear a lot <laughs> when people talk yeah. about Harry Potter. It's, it's definitely died down a little bit, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of scare about kids and witchcraft. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> obviously, we don't. <laughs> obviously, don't yeah. Obviously, neither one of us uh, subscribes to that, or else we wouldn't be talking about it on our faith-based podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that is an opinion that is out there in the world. I don't. Neither one of us agree with it. Whatever, it's fine. It's not our discourse for today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, 
as far as like actual like people following a religion in the books, the closest we get is Anthony Goldstein, who is a student in Harry's year, and I think J.K. Rowling confirmed him as being Jewish, like on Twitter or something after the books ended. Like, great job, J.K. Yeah, yeah. Like, like nowhere in the books is it mentioned. Like, oh hey, like I don't know, like the like the Patil twins, like going off to celebrate literally any holiday that started outside of Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, I think they do mention at one point having like the Easter holidays and like Christmas, but that, yeah. but it's very much so in like the secular sense, and there is no like, oh hey, we're going to take the students to God to um. Hogsmeade for anyone who wants to go to church for Christmas if you're staying at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's just, I guess it's just not in the consciousness of Europeans, which is completely fine. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the one place in which I was actually, like, rem- I was able to remember, obviously I did not do any rereading for today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, But the one place that I was able to remember, like, actually having, like, religious anything was uh specifically in Godric's Hollow, which uh oh, you know what this this whole episode is gonna be a whole lot of spoilers for Harry Potter, so <laughs> if somehow you have not you are not aware of Harry Potter and you will not be you are interested in consuming it at some point, uh stop listening because we're gonna just go we're just gonna go ham on this. <laughs> um but uh, Godric's Hollow, which is the like the little village where Harry was born and where he and his parents lived and where Dumbledore grew up and where Godric of Gryffindor grew up and where one of the Peverell brothers, which is a whole other thing, I didn't even take any notes on that, um, <laughs> which is where they grew up. So it's this very significant place where everyone famous in Harry Potter came from. And it's just this really normal little town like there's there's a there's a church there's shops there's a lot of houses that kind of a thing Mm -hmm. and it has i think the only church ever shown in harry potter (laughs) aside from like the graveyard or whatever they go to in goblet of fire right um but actually like when i was doing research on this i found a bunch of details that i think got confirmed in like cursed child or something or maybe it was on pottermore and mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to have to find my Pottermore password again. <laughs> um, but apparently this is the Church of St. Jerome. Okay. That's its name. And despite the fact that it's run, like, by a vicar, which I thought was a, always a term, like, specifically used for, like, the Church of England, uh, Jerome is a Catholic saint. <laughs> okay. Um, who is the patron of scholars, archivists, librarians, school children, that kind of a thing. Okay. Uh, and apparently it, uh, is a Catholic church because at one point the, the article that I was reading on it on, like, the Harry Potter wikia or something mentioned, like, the most sacred heart of Jesus, which is, like, a very explicitly Catholic thing. And I'm like, okay, uh, I was not expecting to belatedly find out that there's Catholicism in Harry Potter, but (laughs) you know what? It's, it's whatever, it's fine. (laughs) Um. and because there is, of course, a graves uh, graveyard, and it is, of course, where Lily and James Potter are buried. Uh, there are two uh, Bible verses that are put on gravestones because um, I actually saw an interview that J.K. Rowling did, uh, where she mentioned that these two Bible verses are like the linchpin of the entire series. 
Mm-hmm. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, which is from the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, which is from First Corinthians. Oh, I love that actually. I didn't, I didn't know that, but I love that. <laughs> yeah, it is a, it is a, it's a good. They they both are good Bible verses. Like yeah, like I can support that, and they are. I I feel like the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death is really more relevant to Harry Potter as a as a as a novel mm-hmm. as like a novel series, I guess. Right. Um. Because one of the big themes in Harry Potter is death. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I'm going to do my best to keep this episode a little bit more lighthearted. But, uh, <laughs> it is... Yeah. The the death one is definitely more relevant to Harry Potter, although the line about where your treasure is, is... It, it's a good... It's a good concept. Yeah, I bet it would be interesting to, like, reread it or, like do some, like, character deep dives on that verse about the treasures and see if that leads anywhere. Like, it's like, okay, what was, like, Gildroy Lockhart's treasure? Himself. <laughs> Himself. Oh, okay. I see. You know? Mm-hmm. I bet that would be interesting. His is pretty obvious, but I yeah. bet it would be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. That would be neat. What is, like, what is McGonagall's treasure? <laughs> the students? Hogwarts? I was going to say Quidditch. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. You should tell your parents that one so they can think about that. Oh, yeah, As they go into episodes. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so that was pretty much uh, the only uh, real thing I had besides the fact that Two of the big numbers in Harry Potter, the big numerical motifs, are the number seven and the number three, which are relevant to a lot of Christianity. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. What is it? There's, like, in the Catholic Church, there's seven sacraments, and in the Christian faith, Jesus is is part of the Holy Trinity, which is three, Mm -hmm. and... There's three Peveril brothers, and three Deathly Hollows, and seven books, and seven Horcruxes, and... Just mm-hmm. sevens and threes all over the place. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that there's probably an article out there somewhere about like how many times the number seven and the number three is used. Oh yeah. But I didn't. I didn't have time to look that up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so that was the last of like my my surface level notes. Mm-hmm. And then I just have. And a list that got a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, which is just Harry equals savior slash messiah narrative. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. This is uh, this is an, probably going to be an extremely common take on the Harry Potter series. So uh, I know you've probably heard this before. I hope you enjoy hearing me and Emma retread it for what will probably be the X-teenth <laughs> time that it's been put out there in a podcast. Whatever, I never said this episode was going to be original. Yeah, listen, we're just relaxing here, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, feel free to uh, feel free to jump in wherever, because I'm just going to kind of run down this list and expand on things as we come to them. Will do. Okay, so first off, Godric's Hollow equals Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Because, uh... Bethlehem is the city of David, and it's the city where the ancient 
King David, who is a direct uh, ancestor of Jesus Christ, lived and where he set up his household and everything. And it's a supposed to be a and then oh well in Godric's Hollow it's where Godric the founder of the house of Gryffindor set up and maybe he's distantly related to Harry and it's mm-hmm. where the Peverells lived and they're definitely related to Harry and it's where Dumbledore lived and I'll get to Dumbledore in a second but look <laughs> all these famous people that are probably genealogically connected to Harry in some way live so Godric's Hollow is Bethlehem you may applaud. <laughs> I didn't mean you had. <laughs> so the next step is the dramatic birth, which I'm extending to include the fact that Harry's parents were killed when he was a baby. Mm-hmm. A crocodile took out a knife, and nope, I uh, Starkid is too good to be. <laughs> Starkid is too good for that. <laughs> um, but the the cl- the. The big eventful birth of, oh, this child is born who was prophesied to defeat the great evil. And no one will tell this child about the prophecy until they are older and can understand. (laughs) Although thankfully, Jesus didn't have either of his earthly parents die in his birth, which is probably, probably was a good thing to have happen. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, yeah. Um, the next thing in Harry's journey is that he has a, he has miraculous powers that either have never been seen before or have not been seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. In Jesus's case, it's literally doing miracles. <laughs> in Harry's case, it's that he has the, the weird power of, like, love protection and also talking to snakes with parcel tongue. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, interesting because... Please correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, at some point in the Bible, I feel like people were accusing Jesus's miracles as having been the result of, like, the work of the devil or something. I'm sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Okay. And, of course, in Harry Potter, when Harry discovers that he can talk to snakes, mm-hmm. uh, everyone everyone freaks out because the last one to do that was Salazar Slytherin. I mean Satan. I mean Salazar. <laughs> Which, like, I'm not even going to get into the whole, like, Slytherins being coded as, e- as, as, as only exclusively diabolically evil because they're associated with snakes and ambition and... Mm-hmm. The color green, and snakes were the ones that betrayed Eve, and, like, I, I'm not into that. I, I, I am against the continued villainization of Slytherins. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next thing was having their life orchestrated by a higher power. So, mm-hmm. obviously, in Jesus' case, this is, this is God the Father. Yes. <laughs> um, but in Harry's case... It's Dumbledore. <laughs> because, like, I I have a lot of conflicting feelings on Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Namely that, did Dumbledore ultimately have the best of intentions? Arguably, yes. Execution? Not that great in some cases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially because, like, there's that whole part in, uh, there's that whole part when in the deathly hollows when harry is like approaching like the final 
battle or whatever, and he's like, everything in my life has led to this moment, like, I'm just set up to be a- I think they even literally say, like, a lamb to the slaughter or something. Oof, yeah, I do remember that. It's like, oh, okay, okay, JK Rowling, you're just, uh, you're just gonna dig real deep there with that imagery. (laughs) (laughs) Not that there's anything, like, wrong with that, but it's like, okay, okay, heavy-handed, but you know what, whatever. But yeah, just, like, thinking about how many things over the course of the seven main Harry Potter books were, like, orchestrated by Albus Dumbledore, like, Dumbledore placed him with the Dursleys, Dumbledore, well, Dumbledore got Hagrid to place him with the Dursleys. Dumbledore (laughs) gave him the invisibility cloak and tipped him off about Fluffy or something and did the, and did a whole bunch of stuff in, like, Chamber of Secrets and helped him with giving a tip to rescue Sirius with Buckbeak and Prisoner of Azkaban and I can't think of an example from anything after that. (laughs) It's been a long time since I read or watched any of them. Yeah, no, I feel that though. Yeah. Um... The next thing I had was um, that Harry and the Messiah narrative share a gathering of the disciples slash welcoming the outcasts of society. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which, like, that wasn't something that I had com- that I had thought of before, uh, before about an hour ago. <laughs> um, but it's like, if you are trying to make a comparison, you can compare, like, Dumbledore's army to the disciples, because, like... Both of the groups are ones that are very focused around the leadership of the Messiah figure. Mm-hmm. And both of them are made up of just this this big old variety of people. Like, a lot of them are from the same... A lot of them are from the same kind of faith background, I guess you could say, as Jesus was. Like, a lot of them were... Um, were Jewish people who then converted to Christianity. A lot of Dumbledore's armies made up of Gryffindors. Mm-hmm. Not exclusively Gryffindors, and not exclusively um, Jewish converts to Christianity, but the majority of them. Yeah. And also that, like, a lot of them were outcasts. Like, oh, hey, it's the it's Harry and his troublemakers. It's Luna Lovegood, who no one wants to talk to. Mm-hmm. It's Neville who everyone. It's Neville who everyone everyone supports out of canon, but in canon, no one likes Neville. <laughs> it's it's hey, we're bringing in we're bringing in Mary Magdalene. We're bringing in Paul. We're bringing in <laughs> we're bringing in the tax collectors. Yep. And then the uh, and also uh, both of them required a lot of training from the Messiah slash Harry. To, before they were able to go out and continue the mission without direct leadership. Mm-hmm. And then they train other people and bring them into the fold, which I think is just really... I'm a big fan of that, like, that concept in general. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, like, the, uh... Not, like, multi-level marketing kind of a thing, but I like the idea of training people and then they go out and they train more people and you help make the world a better place and not sell things to people (laughs) that's like the call that's like the purpose of being a christian oh god yes i i just flash back to focus i am and we do not need to talk about focus today (laughs) (laughs) um 
the next thing I had was actually bringing up Neville again, because it's the concept of the precursor or the fake chosen. Ooh. Um, in this case, I was comparing Neville to John the Baptist. Okay. Because both of them were born before the Messiah slash chosen one. More significantly so in John the Baptist's case. Mm-hmm. Both of them kind of serve as the herald for the Messiah, with John literally declaring, you know, like, like prepare ye the way of the Lord and make straight his paths and everything. Mm-hmm. I could probably sing you the song from Godspell, but <laughs> I'm not going to worry about it right now. <laughs> um, and, like, Neville leading, like, Dumbledore's army as Harry's off, destroying Horcruxes across England. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I was going to try and pull some kind of a fun, like, oh, hey, they're, they both are, they both are very, uh, very cool leaders and stuff. And then I was like, but wait, John the Baptist got beheaded and Neville got a cool sword by killing a snake or something. (laughs) So I was like, okay, that, uh, that comparison fails there a little bit. (laughs) The, uh, the next, the next step that I had was about, um, the chosen one's resignation uh, of leading their life in the way that the higher power determined for them, uh-huh. and of like not trying to break that mold, right? Because uh, like in the Bible, Jesus has the has like the moment in I think the Garden of Gethsemane where he's his prayer is literally like if 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 this cup can be passed from me, I pray that it can, but it but not my not my will, but thy will be done. Mm-hmm. Which is which is really which is a really powerful prayer in itself, and again, like I mentioned earlier, like Harry has like that walk through the forest on his way to the final battle, where he's like, "Well, everything in my life just led up to me dying, so hey, here we go, I guess." <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the last one was, of course, their their resurrection brings the salvation. Jesus died and saved the whole world. Harry, quote unquote, died. <laughs> and then Voldemort could be killed, and Harry killed him, and the good guys won the Battle of Hogwarts. <laughs> Yay! And Hagrid survived. <laughs> a fact. Yes, yes, that is a fact. <laughs> um, but yeah. So that is my uh, that is my that is my short list of comparisons between Harry Potter and the Savior narrative. What are your thoughts, Emma? Uh, I think that was all really good. It's I've never really looked at it from that perspective before, I guess. Like, sure, I've heard, like, Harry, like, being the Messiah or whatever. That's, you can't read the book and not understand that. Yes. Yeah. Um, the book is called, the book series is called Harry Potter. Yeah, like, that, yeah, that's pretty easy to see. But the really, like, specific parallels are interesting to hear about for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we say a lot like it's like I don't think this author like meant to do that or whatever. And I don't really know what J.K.'s ba- background is. I think uh, actually, hold up a sec. I might still have that interview up. Yeah, I think uh, I am referencing here an article by Sean Adler for MTV titled uh, "Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling opens up about books Christian imagery." And she does mention uh, that she she is uh, religious, um, uh, 
but I don't think she necessarily, I don't know if she identifies as anything in particular. Sure. So de- definitely Christian in some variety, but not like. Uh, no, but I, I think, you know, it, like those specific parallels, like, you have to be raised in a church to do that, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they were definitely more intentional than not. Like, yeah. she's going crazy right now, for sure. I don't really know what she's thinking, yeah. but, like, but just taking those seven books, just yeah. the seven books, and what's in them, everything seems really, really purposeful. Mm-hmm. And, like, like it feels to me, maybe I'm wrong, it's been a long time since I read it, but, like, every single detail is significant, has a purpose, mm-hmm. isn't just there for no reason, you know? And, like, so... Yeah, I like. I think this is one of the, the one of the um, situations where uh, it was meant. <laughs> yeah. To, we we can read it this deep, actually. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that's okay, and it is true. <laughs> I actually could pull a quote for this from the article. Okay. Um. Apparently, uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, J.K. Rowling's plan from the start was to make them religious. But the oh. reason that she didn't, like, actually, like, bring religion into the books until mm-hmm. Deathly Hollows was because she was afraid that it would give too much away to fans who might then see the parallels. To me, okay. she, to me, she says, they have always been obvious. But I never wanted to talk too openly about it because I thought it might show people who just wanted the story where we are going. So, to phrase it a little bit better... Uh, I never wanted to talk openly about it because I thought it might show people where we were going when they just wanted the story. Right, okay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense then. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. For sure. See, now that is a thing where you can say, it's like, oh, I meant to do this or this was my intention and, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's fine and it makes sense and adds something yeah. to the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is... There are times when, as as someone who has written before, when someone who has written narrative fiction before, you write something and then afterwards you people are like pointing out things and you're like, oh, yes, I definitely meant to do that. I definitely meant for that to happen. <laughs> uh, but there are other times when you can tell that someone like deliberately had a plan in mind. And I think it's fair to say that she definitely had this plan in mind from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Listen, she's a lot of things, but I think she's also kind of a genius when she was writing those seven books. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I on, on that, I think a, a good portion of the internet is in agreement that, like, Harry Potter is a, it is a creative story. Like, is it maybe the most creative available? No. <laughs> but... It, but it is a it is an interesting story that does its work well, and it's open ended enough that people have been able to you know like apply stuff to to their own interpretations of the canon. Like mm-hmm. my favorite, one of my favorite things is that, like the interpretation of Harry as being um, half Indian. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the term is for it. 
but the interpretation of oh hey james is james is of indian descent and that's why the dursleys hated him because he wasn't you know like quote on heavy air quotes here english mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like there's enough space that we can read that in like we can apply oh hey like let's let's write up a little bit where the patel twins get to celebrate like indian holidays and things yeah, it's free. honestly one of the best parts and worst parts, but mostly best parts of Harry Potter is like the fan base that grew up around it and just like how pervasive it was in culture. Because I mean, like there were years, like years through like middle school and high school for me where everybody knew what their house type was. And that was just like a way that you characterized people. It was just oh, like a God, personality yes. trait that oh, everyone yeah. knew about themselves and made sense and was fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a Gryffindor. I am also a Gryffindor. I am I am the most Hufflepuff Gryffindor ever, but I'm still a Gryffindor. Yeah, I consider myself uh, on the Neville side of the spectrum mm-hmm. for, for Gryffindors. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a little bit off topic from religion, but I, so when Pottermore first came out and there was like that, like the like official house quiz or whatever, yes. that was first so exciting. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, I'm finally going to get sort of, I, JK Rowling, she's the one who would know, right? And mm-hmm. I had always thought that I was a Ravenclaw for like my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I took the quiz and I got Gryffindor and I was heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's no way that I'm a Gryffindor. Oh, this yeah. actually is faithful. Keep this in. <laughs> um, there's there's absolutely no way I'm a Gryffindor. Like, I like books. I'm not a very good leader. Like, I don't... I'm not brave or anything. I just like books. That's all I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... I... <laughs> but because I'm a dork, I was like, you know, this has to be true somehow. This isn't... <laughs> and so I just kept thinking about it. I was like, well... Do I have any Gryffindor traits? And, like, that line of thinking actually, like, changed me, like, fundamentally as a person. (laughs) And, like, my self-image changed. Like, I was like, actually, I am a pretty good leader. And I can be brave. Mm -hmm. And, like, especially looking at, like, Neville. And I was like, well, Neville's a Gryffindor. I really like Neville. Mm -hmm. Like, what? And so, like literally like since then i've like thought of myself like i'm a brave person i am a leader like just like Mm -hmm. all of these crazy things came into my life because of that stupid pottermore quiz Mm -hmm. honestly uh here is my extremely short pottermore sorting story (laughs) uh i was one of the people who like heard about the beta tester part Mm -hmm. like and did like the click on the magic quill to get your invitation to Pottermore Mm -hmm. early ahead of everyone else and so I did that and then I got ready and everything and I took my sorting hat quiz and I got done with it and then the website crashed oh no (laughs) like literally like it was going to give me my results and then it crashed and I refreshed it and it said Gryffindor and I was like okay I guess I guess I'm fine with that but I, but I'm fine with it. Also, I look on an extremely superficial level. I look better in red than in, than in yellow. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, being becoming a Gryffindor was a great thing for all the reasons I said, and also because they actually sell Gryffindor merch. Mm-hmm. You can actually get Gryffindor merch anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Oh man, I definitely, like, I didn't have the language to put this into words when I was 14 or whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, at one point I definitely felt like Ravenclaws and Hufflepuffs were the most oppressed minority. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah. we never get merch. No one ever cares about us or talks about us or anything. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Oh, unfair. yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is, uh... I actually heard on one of my one of my favorite podcasts. Another another uh, podcast promo here is Overdue. Um, it's a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. <laughs> um, but they actually mentioned uh, in a couple of episodes ago about having they were talking about an author who has actually mentioned like in interviews and stuff how like oh yeah like this character is definitely a Slytherin. Like, just how pervasive, like, the, mm-hmm. the the Harry Potter sorting system has become to, like, the, uh, to, uh, to just our culture mm-hmm. and everything. Absolutely. I've, I've been in heated, like, mad debates about Harry Potter sortings for, like, different characters and different media. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy out there. It can be, yeah, definitely. Also, <laughs> for sorters, for or for for sorters, what am I talking about? For houses, for gospels. Oh yeah, there you go. Even though the only one that matches is, I don't know which gospel writer is associated with which animal, because there is, is there a lion? There's gotta be a lion. There's always a lion. There's there's a. There's a there's a cow, there's a bull, there's an eagle, there's a guy. The I mean Ravenclaw's an eagle. Yeah, yeah, Ravenclaw's an eagle. I guess I'd make the bull the Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess if there's a lion, then that one's the if there's a lion, then that one's Gryffindor. <laughs> and the he, the the one that's just the normal angel, that one'll be Slytherin. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're getting into territory we don't know enough about (laughs) yeah yeah I didn't do any research even though I'm sitting here recording this at a computer with my phone somewhere around my desk oh I'm sitting on my phone (laughs) even though I have sources that I could use to look this up I am not going to be looking it up So yeah, that's, uh, do you have anything else to add before we close out the episode? This extremely casual, extremely, (laughs) extremely loose, uh, episode on Harry Potter. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think I would love it if, if you have, like, a a Pottermore sorting story or, you know, whatever. I want to hear about it. You got a Harry Potter story, how Harry Potter impacted your faith or whatever, email us at faithful two l's at gmail.com or is it faithful pods uh it's uh faithful pod singular pod okay faithful pod at gmail.com email us do it um but yeah other than that i uh i i guess we're good to close out the episode absolutely so, Emma, would you suggest reading Harry Potter within a religious and or faithful context? Yes, absolutely. I actually really want to read it in the context of that, uh, you know, where your treasures are mm-hmm. uh, verse. I think that would be really interesting. 
I think, you know, I re- yeah, consuming any media like this that has such deep meanings and, like, hidden contexts and stuff, like, is certainly worth reading. Mm-hmm. In a, in a religious context. Yeah. Definitely. I also would recommend it. Okay, great. Except, <laughs> except for Cursed Child. Just cause yeah, don't. I haven't I haven't taken that in yet, so I don't know if I can recommend it or not. Yeah, listen. If it says like screenplay written by J.K. Rowling, don't don't interact with it. It's Are you it. including the Fantastic Beasts movies in that? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's stop you... before we get salty. <laughs> we can be salty off air. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> Faithful is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pippa, all the other places where you find podcasts. You know the drill. You listen to podcasts. Uh, Our theme music is Start of Something Beautiful, courtesy of Ketza. Uh, We can be reached through an email, like we mentioned, at faithfulpod at gmail.com or through our Twitter at faithfulpods with a S. Yes. And since we're new, we're a new podcast, you know, please rate and review us wherever you're listening and maybe recommend us to a friend or something. Uh, interact with us. I'm yes. begging you. Please. <laughs> Tanner, I'll call you out a second week in a row. <laughs> I didn't hear anything last week, so. I haven't actually checked the Twitter to be able to confirm whether or not. Well, I would have gotten a notification. I don't think I got one. Okay, cool. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's good. This has been faithful, and we're still we're still trying to figure out a sign off. Uh, what was that verse? Uh, that last enemy that will defeat is death. Yes. Good night, everybody. Good night. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs>